You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, I, you know, we're going to actually record here twice tonight. I apologize there was no Monday episode. I, you know, things come up, guys. But look, soccer season is pretty much in the rear view, so you're going to have to deal with my rambling ass full of takes for quite a while here. Uh, We're going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Don't hate like the fact that your friends went away on a vacation. Go ahead and make your own reservations and use Hotels.com to do that and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Obviously, thank them for the sponsorship of the show. Uh, As always, guys, check out the Himalaya uh, pod app. Uh, yeah, pod app, uh, pod app. Uh, whether it's Google, whether it's uh, you know Apple, go ahead check it out if you're looking for a new avenue for your podcast listening. Uh, you know, personally curated list, uh, uh, personally curated playlists. Like I mentioned, after a while there, they will start to recommend shows to you. It's very similar to TiVo in its infancy in that way, um, but a little different from iTunes is you can put your input into every episode if you choose to. You know, whether it's commenting on it, whether it's rating it, all that stuff. So uh, go ahead to, to your App Store, whether it's Google, whether it's iTunes, go ahead and get uh, Himalaya and make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Browns. It has been a while since uh, Stephen Thomas has joined us. He will be here with us this evening. Obviously, you know we're going to talk about some of the players that were acquired. We're going to get Steve's thoughts on just a preliminary look ahead to 20, but we wouldn't be doing the deed if we didn't get to the breaking news of the day. One year, $8.5 million, Steve, good to have you, but Gerald McCoy, the saga is over, and unfortunately, he is taking his act to Carolina. Yeah, good to be back. Sorry it's on uh, uh, such a, a start, anyway, of such a, a rotten day, because it's a loss. I mean, um, I, I have questions. We're never going to find out exactly what all the offers were. We're going to hear rumors if we haven't already. I'm sure they're going to get tweeted out there. So and so offered this. So and so offered that because they need to, you know, cover their asses. But uh, not getting Gerald McCoy is a, uh, it, it's a swing and a miss. I mean, uh, you know, no, it's not the end of the world. And people are already, you know, uh, on Twitter and I'm sure on radio too are, are doing the, uh, you know, well, you know, we didn't really need him, and you know, it's not like, you know, we're lost without him. And and that's all true. That's that's fine. But that's not the point. That's not the way to look at it. This was an opportunity to take our defensive line from, you know, pretty damn good, but questions with depth, which are still there, take it from that to you know, freaking ferocious, uh, scary, like championship level front on defense. And it was right there in front of them. Uh, and you know, I mean, I mean, I, I I'm not gonna say anything about Gerald McCoy the person because he made the decision he thinks is best for him and his family. But from a Browns fan standpoint, it's a kick in the nuts. Like we were talking about uh, off uh, off air before we started recording here, it's the depth is still an issue. And to add a, a guy like Gerald McCoy on June third. Uh, without trading, you know, something big doesn't happen very often at all. Um, and so this opportunity, I mean, when he left on Thursday or whatever day it was, Wednesday last week, uh, when he left Cleveland, everybody was just sure, just absolutely sure that he was that he was coming to Cleveland. And uh, it was an exciting time because he was he would have been the defensive equivalent of adding the OBJ uh, excitement wise uh, on the defensive side. That would have been just the icing on the cake, and they would have been, I, I think, unquestionably the the uh, the favorites in the division had they been able to land Gerald. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, he goes to to Carolina, who were 6-2 and two before Cam got hurt last year, and, you know, hopefully his shoulder comes back and he's the Cam that he was, and, and you know, their front seven's pretty damn good. So, you know, best of luck to him, especially since we're not going to see him until maybe February. So uh, it's definitely disappointing. And if you're out there trying to say, oh, I don't give a crap, well, I think you're lying to yourself a little bit. Uh, this is the first one we get to. Uh, don't be the person that says, oh, Gerald McCoy wasn't that good anyway. Oh, Stop. Because you know there's going to be those people. Look, he's a phenomenal player, and it is the rarest of rare that a guy like this is available on June 3rd. Yep. Um, look, you tried to sway him and sell him here. 
Um, he's been in that region of the country his entire life. Texas kid, went to Oklahoma. Uh, defensive line coach for many years while he was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now the defensive line coach in Carolina. Uh, the revenge factor, look, I mean, I don't know how upset you could be right now from getting away from Tampa. I mean, other than the city, <laughs> but the team itself is in a state of flux. You have a quarterback that you you don't think you have much future with. Uh, you know, and look, there's no bigger supporter and try, guy who tries to cover Jameis Winston than I. But the team itself, I you know, I don't know what the direction is. Uh, you bring in a guy like Bruce Arians, which says, all right, you know, this is the final piece of the puzzle. And then you look at that roster and... Yeah, no, that's not the final piece of the puzzle by any means whatsoever. Um, Carolina, look, you know, the team itself, yeah, if Cam is healthy, yeah, they've always got a puncher's chance. Do I think they're better than Atlanta? I don't think they're better than Atlanta. Do I think they're better than New Orleans? No, I don't think they're better than New Orleans. Nope. Which puts you trying to get a wild card in the NFC South, and you still got the Rams, you still got all those teams in the North, you've still got the East. Uh, you know, I had mentioned to Steve, hey, look, maybe we can revisit this around Halloween when, you know, Carolina's two and four or two and five and it's not working out. <laughs> Who knows? But, and the other thing is, is, you know, you know, Gerald lives in Tampa. Obviously, it doesn't seem like he's got any thoughts of leaving where he is. Uh, you know, obviously, young kids, whatever, 11 of the games are pretty much two hours from where he lives. There'll be a game in Tampa, New Orleans, obviously a game in Atlanta, the eight games in Carolina. That is not far away at all. It's, look, I mean, does it hurt not to get him? Like Steve said, I agree. Yeah, it hurts. I mean, you you do not pick up an impact player, especially one that doesn't have warts. And that's the thing about Gerald McCoy is he yes. comes in, yes, there's a little bit of injury after nine years. Who doesn't have a little bit of history? But there are zero warts with the guy. He's just a really good player, a really good piece. So, you know, I mean, that's it's great for Carolina. It's going to benefit a guy like Brian Burns, who I love, where, you know, they're going to have to be have a lot more, you know, obviously protection geared towards the interior, where a guy like him can probably go off on the exterior. But it's, you know, look, you took your shot, and I don't think it's the money. I honestly don't think 8.5. I, 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 I don't think the Browns would have even brought him out if they weren't comfortable with saying it would be $8.5 million. John Dorsey is not an idiot, and this is one thing we learned when we had B.J. Kissel on ages ago when uh, Browns paid uh, the Chiefs last year. You know, he talked about the Mitchell Schwartz deer. John, with free agency, it's, it's very bare bones. Talks with the agent, where are you guys looking money? And gets the numbers. All right, well, then let's come out. Let's meet. Let's talk. And obviously the money wasn't the thing. I think it was just you couldn't beat the fact that Cleveland is where Cleveland is located as opposed to the South. It, it's Look, it's a tough break. Uh, the thing, look, obviously he came out. He made it the first trip he wanted to come to. It shows that everybody views this product differently, which is, A, remarkable in that respect because it's taken a while. Normally Absolutely. it was, let's go to Cleveland and hopefully we can get our price tag bumped up and we're going to get the first plane out of there and go to one of those higher bidders or we're going to go to a better situation for the same money. It's it. it what would it have done to the defense? Would have been lights out. Yep. It would have been lights out because, uh, you know, you're only playing 4D linemen and these guys all were to get between 75 to 80% of the snaps. But, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to record again later with people. We'll obviously get into the minicamp breakdown. We'll get to the where do you go from now type of thing, obviously, with this. But, look, I mean, you know, you threw your hat in the ring and – Maybe it would have been different. Maybe John would have been willing to spend more if this would have been before Vernon, would have been before Sheldon Richardson, would have been before Odell. It, maybe it would have played out different there. But look, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't unscrew the light bulb. This is when the situation presented itself, and you know, it, it, you can't say, oh, we would have spent ten million if it was March. Well, you can't because it wasn't March; it was May, and it's just, you know. Sings to lose him, great player, but the most important thing is, is you know, and, and Steven said, is it, it'll be February at worst when you see him, and you are not going to see him twice a year as a member of the Baltimore Ravens. That's huge. Yeah, and I mean, like we said back in January, if, if they really viewed him, and again, like, like I said right at the beginning, no, it's not that they're in some dire straits now since they did, like, in years past, if we didn't get the one free agent we wanted, it was like, holy crap, what the hell are we going to do now? No. Can't wait till Labor Day weekend to go get five guys for the roster. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not like that. They're still in good shape, you know, but that's not the way to look at it. If they viewed him that way, 
then they would have done what you and I were suggesting back in January. Flip a seventh round pick, flip a fifth and a seventh round pick, you know, and, and try to renegotiate that contract. Or even if you couldn't, they could have done it with that contract. I mean, it would have been tight. It would have been really tight, but they could have done it. And it's easily escapable with no dead money. So if they brought him on at that $13 million number and made a ferocious run through the playoffs and won the championship, then you can let him go. Or if you know he drops off or whatever, you're out of it like that. So they obviously didn't view him as absolutely necessary or that's what they would have done. And I, and before, I know we've been harping on this, but I want to say one more thing. I've seen it many times already just in here in the first hour or so. Well, at least he didn't go to Baltimore. Yeah, okay, you know what? If you put a gun to my head and said, you have to choose between him going to Baltimore and Carolina, yeah, I'd rather he go to Carolina. But that's loser mentality. That is what has been, that's part of being, I think it comes from being in what we've been talking about with free agents to Cleveland for 20-something years. We, we've been trained to just say, well, it wasn't the worst possible outcome, so we should be happy. That's, no. It was a swing and a miss. It was an opportunity. He was there, and they had him for the taking, and they missed. Again, I'm not saying anything, you know, screwed up. I'm not saying anybody's, you know, made a huge error. He just made the decision that didn't go our way. But if you're trying to tell me, yeah, well, he's not in Baltimore, so I'm happy. Well, I, I, I don't. That doesn't sit right with me. That's not where we are. We are in the window at this point, and we as fans need to start thinking in the window. And this was a championship piece that was in our house. It was in our house, and we couldn't, you know, make him stay. So it hurts. It, it, it emotionally hurts. Now. Tomorrow, let's strap on the pads for the first time and get going with the guys we have in and let's, you know, see if we can forget about it. But don't try to tell me that this one doesn't hurt because it does. Uh, there's a yeah, there's, there's certain point of it. And, and the other thing is it would have given you the overall definition of, oh, yeah, look at this. Now now, we're, now we got guys just willing to come here. Waves. Yep. You know, look, uh, either way, and this is one I had always said. Uh, this uh, defensive line right now is crazy good. If you were to add Gerald McCoy, it becomes straight jacket crazy good. But look, yep. do not you know do not sleep on Sheldon Richardson. And there's some people out there. Oh well, they don't have any D tackles. No, they don't have depth. <laughs> don't right. smell Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi short guys. Right. Uh, brought to you today. Oh, uh, obviously one of our sponsors, Untuck It. Uh, brought to you today. Remember, guys, uh, dads come in all shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for da- for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL to get 20% off. Who is it? It's the plumber. Plumber? I didn't call a plumber. It's blue chew time, baby. When I tried Blue Chew, I really noticed something extra. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy or plumber who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom or the office or the cockpit. Now, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two, baby. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, no visits from the plumber, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners, whether you're a plumber, a lonely secretary, or whatever. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. That's where they use the big bats, baby. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E 
Facebook.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast and thrusting this goodness directly and deeply into our lives. Over and over, baby. Now, Steve, it's been a while, so we haven't gotten to talk to you. Um, for us, as much as we love the draft, I guess the first thing you would say with the Browns draft, there wasn't, it wasn't very sexy. It's not a very sexy draft. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, and, it, and that's a good thing to have. When you're not needing to draft the flashy players, that's actually a good thing. Sometimes, the, I mean, look at the Vikings draft this year. How many offensive linemen did they draft? That's not it, they're probably the least sexy draft I've ever seen, but they murdered it up there. They, did, they got exactly what they needed in waves. And I think with the Browns draft this year, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm on the same page with, uh, with you and Pete and everybody else. It was good. I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. I, I thought there was a couple of misses, but overall I thought they did a really good job. Um, uh, I mean, we can just start and go through if you want. I mean, I don't know how you go want to go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, let's start with greedy. I mean, personally, I thought, and you and I talked about this, I thought he was more of an early day two guy, but if he lives up to the billing he had, which was, you know, top 20, top 15, some places top 10, uh, for the entire process, if he lives up to that, then he's a freaking steal, uh, to get him at 40, where we get him 46, we moved up to, we moved up three spots. Um, that that's an absolute that that's those quote unquote Dorsey steals that everybody has in Cleveland has been going gaga over for a year and a half now, if he lives up to that billing. And I think if he and Denzel can both stay healthy, we have the makings of, you know, uh, somebody that's going to earn nickname, a no fly zone type of uh, uh, starting tandem, which is especially in today's NFL, an amazing thing to have. I'm not sure where you stood on Greedy, but uh, I know you really wanted uh, uh, Lane at that spot, but that was when we didn't think Greedy would be in anywhere near there. So I, I thought I liked it, especially if he lives up to that top 10 billing, like I said. Well, the thing with Greedy, though, is, and uh, you know, when, we, when I spoke with Daniel Jeremiah, and he's like, it, it was like, it felt like I continuously had to defend myself because Greedy Williams was the 33rd player on my board. You know, obviously, you know, so much changes from August. Right. So by the time you finally get to April, and and part of it was, and this is always Pete's line with a lot of it, and you know, guys, you, you want to keep giving Pete's like whatever, but and even this was this was basically where Daniel Jeremiah came from is was the tackling thing, and Pete uses the line from a few good men. You know, he ordered the code red. It doesn't matter what I know; it matters what I can prove. So if Greedy Williams showed you tape where he was unwilling to tackle or he wasn't good at it. It was going to be a concern, uh, and you, you know, even if you wanted to use the excuse, "Oh well, he was preserving himself," and look, I, I agree with it. I, I I totally believe that Greedy Williams was preserving himself to be health healthy, to get himself the biggest payday. It's well documented that he does not. He did not come from a great financial background. Obviously, he's got a daughter. He wants to do everything he can. So now the opportunity is there, and this is kind of where I do like it is. Here is a guy that was so much talk around one, and then it became 47. How do you take it, Greedy? Are, are you pissed off, and are you going to come in with the man, I am going to make people show, or did it humble to the point where you got a little bit you know, complacent? I think it's going to go the positive way. I do, but here's even the best part about it, Stephen. This is what it is with the corners that are still there. It doesn't matter if he starts week one. It'd be great. It'd right. be a boon for everybody. But if it's because, you know, maybe he's not up to speed yet or, you know, maybe some sorts of the coverage because, you know, Wilkes is going to do a lot of different things and he loves to mix up his nickel and dime. <clears throat> is it that he's taking a little time to grasp everything that's going on around him? That's fine, too. But you're putting him in a great position to succeed where you know a lot of rookies and Browns past haven't been. It's, all right, we drafted you, you're starting, and guess what? You were now the fourth best player on this team. It's not exactly. going to be this way for Greedy Williams. 
It's exactly, it feeds right into what I said just a few minutes ago. We have to, we're in the window now. We have to think like we're in the window. In the window teams operate differently than we have operated since I was a young man. And that's been a long friggin' time. So you're right. If he doesn't start right away or, if, you know, they start him in the nickel just to ease him in or whatever, that's fine. Um, and I, I agree with everything, you know, that Pete said, I, Pete said, and I, I tend to agree with Pete on a lot of things. And when it comes to the draft, he's absolutely right. It doesn't matter what you think. It only matters what you can prove on tape. But I also see the flip side of that corners in the NFL, especially today are paid to cover. So I, I get it. I, un, I totally understand. So going forward, it's like we said, if he lives up to his billing, his top 10 billing that some people had, then we absolutely stole him. Um, if he's just an early t- day two guy, a good but not elite cornerback, I still think it was a really good pick at that point because, you know, it's one of the, you know, so-called glamour positions, the cornerstone position, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, on that chart that everybody loves to talk about that got leaked a few months ago, the, the Dorsey draft chart. Corner is an incredibly important position in today's NFL and we have potentially two of the best young corners in the league at this point and that's a good thing to have uh, uh, you know y- y- you need as many guys who can cover as you possibly can the way offenses are being run these days and uh, I-, I really like the greedy Williams pick when it came came down to it because it, it there's really no unless he completely flames out there's no way he doesn't at least live up to his draft slot you know what I mean? He's he might be better than his draft slot, but I really don't see him. He's either going to be an elite guy that we stole, a good cornerback that we got at the exact value, or completely flame out. There's going to be no like in between option there. That and I don't see him flaming out. That's just not how I see it coming coming down. Now, yeah, I, I, he will. And the best part is, is you know, and the other part of it is, is Greedy Williams was talked about where he was going to be this guy that you know number one corner, the length, this, that, that, the other. Well, he doesn't have to be that uh, if he's part of a good duo or he's just a solid number two. And yeah. he comes in with you know a guy who obviously feels like he's got a lot of pressure on his plate, which is totally understandable. But he doesn't really he, – he's not coming into this situation with so much pressure on his plate, which should hopefully allow him to grow and get himself comfortable and obviously, A, a new environment and a team that, you know, has you know expectations to be very good, but he can be eased into it. Uh, then obviously, uh, Sione Taki Taki, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, Steve, that will st- he makes a play that will replace Dilly Dilly in the crowd. <laughs> People will be smacking beer cans together. Taki Taki, <laughs> you know it. Everyone knows it. It. it I mean, t- guys. I mean, what, somebody make the T-shirt. Get get ahead of it. Have it printed. Taki Taki will sell if this guy hits. And then, obviously, Sheldrick Redwine, which will be every favorite soccer moms in Cleveland, Berea, the Ohio area. That will probably be, if he hits, he will be a big, big hit with all the soccer moms in town. Yeah, I think, well, to be fair, uh, there's a, down where I sit in the dog pound, people yell Taki Taki all the time, and they have for years. I'm not sure what they were actually trying to say, but that's how it comes out. Taki Taki, you know, so it's, <laughs> It's late really late third quarter when beer sales are almost to an end. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, you know, I, I, and again, we've, you know, we've chatted about this online, uh, but I haven't been on since the draft. So I, I like Sione. I liked him as a player. I saw him as a day three guy. So that's my only quibble. I, I thought we may have overpaid by about a round for him, especially with some of the guys that were. I mean, Colin Saunders went just a few picks later. Gardner Johnson and Amani Hooker were still there. Um, but here's the good part, and you mentioned him, Sheldrick Redwine was their fourth-round pick, so if he works out and becomes you know, a part of the regular safety rotation, then it doesn't really matter the order they were picked in. You know, I mean, if you took a safety in the third and a linebacker in the fourth, or a linebacker, it doesn't matter as long as you got them both. And if they both work out, which I think they both have a good chance to do that, then it, it takes away my only quibble with the Taki Taki pick, which I, which was, I think they overpaid by about a round. I don't know that, but that was my opinion of him. I thought he was an early day three guy. Um, so, yeah, I like both of those. I liked uh, I, I liked the red wine pick um, in, in a similar fashion to something I didn't say about Greedy and I meant to. I think one of the ways that Redwine and Greedy both are going to be integrated into this team easier than a lot of other rookies may have it is, as you and I have discussed, we have a team full of yappers now. This is Mm -hmm. 
an obnoxiously arrogant squad of guys, which is rubbing the media the wrong way, and I freaking love that. But <laughs> guys like Red Wine and Greedy, who are talkers and aggressive and cocksure, and they, they strut, you know, that's their makeup. They don't have to come in as rookies and have that tamped down by going to a more conservative locker room where the veterans are telling them that's not how we do stuff around here and all that kind of stuff. They're going to shut be up, that- Rook. You haven't done anything that- yet. Well, there's, they're going to get some of that. Sure. <laughs> but, but it's not going to be because of the attitude. Every rookie should get that. I think, I think you should get, you absolutely should get that, but it, they're not going to have their mentality attacked. They're going to say, you go out there, Rook and be you. You still have to carry the shoulder pads at the end of practice, but go out there and be you. And I think that will help because if you're mentally relaxed, it just helps you in any job. But especially in athletics, it helps you do the on-field stuff uh, better if you're not thinking about, oh, I can't say this, I can't say that. And there's nobody in that locker room that's going to tell them, you know, you can't say this because they've all right. freaking said it. <laughs> that would be the funniest, you know, and, and this is obviously one thing for Greedy is and with him just learning how to adapt as a pro, obviously he's got two guys who he knows at the LSU, LSU program is extremely close. But could you imagine him, you know, Odell looking at him, look, man, you, you can't be running your mouth. I mean, he yeah. wouldn't be able to get to the T in mouth by like, you know what, kid? You know what? You make, you make a play. Let the whole world know you made a play because yep. that's the way we're doing things here. Um, Just don't mess with the kicking neck because that's, that's mine. That's yes. what Odell would tell him. And yeah. well, don't mess with it because maybe it's Austin Seibert. And Austin Seibert can tweet. So, I, look, if he turns out to be the kicker, I'm okay with that because you talk trash to him. He tells you that his grandmother's mute and she talks better trash. Oh, and that's about as much time as we're going to spend on a kicker. But this is kind of where we all got in a little trouble, Steve. God forbid we weren't, you know, we got Mac Wilson in the fifth round. Well, wait yeah. a minute. Well, and this is, you know, I know you went through it. I went through it. Pete went through it. A bunch of other people. No, if Mac Wilson went in the fifth round, maybe it wasn't something to celebrate. Maybe it was more of the question of, well, why was Mac Wilson, who was once a top 45 prospect, being drafted late in the fifth round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the cyber pick, I'm just going to say, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I, it is, I am almost never a fan of drafting specialists. No nope. Matter what. Because you want to know why? Because every Tuesday, if you need to bring five in for a tryout, there's five guys ready to go. Well, and kickers especially, punters are, you know, a different story, but kickers, it's, I mean, I, Pete has said this, and, and I agree with him totally, they're exactly like relievers in baseball. So much of it is mental, and it can come and go like that for no apparent reason. They can just be, I mean, you know, we drafted Zane Gonzalez, who was maybe the best kicker in college football history, you know, percentage-wise. He was among the best, and he just came in and just completely lost it. But Got the yips, and it was over. Exactly. So, I mean, really, to to justify, and these guys were taken with much higher picks, so it's not an exact comparison, but to justify spending a pick on a specialist, they have to reach Sebastian Janikowski or Ray Guy level, because otherwise, like you said, these are guys you can you can sign September fourth for the game that starts on September seventh, and they can go out and be three for three. But hey, let's you know, let's just leave that with what it is and hope that make Austin goes point. out there. Just make every extra point. That's yeah. all. That's all. Go I ask. out there and prove us wrong, man. Go out there and be a great kicker. That's what, we're all rooting for you. Even if we didn't like the pick, that's the thing people need to remember. Now that you're a Brown, we are rooting for you. Trust me. Prove me wrong, and that's what I'm going to say about Mac Wilson too. Prove me wrong. And again, it's not so much that I disliked him at that spot i think in the fifth round sure take a shot at a guy like like mac wilson but you had already taken taki taki and there were the other people that were still sitting i mean charles amenahu was still sitting right there and the dl depth which we discussed at the top of the show is still a, a need and, and if you wanted to go with a linebacker another linebacker at that spot you had, you had Blake Cashman who went like a couple of picks later you had Cole Holcomb who was still there I mean there was a lot of other guys I didn't hate the pick and I tried to say this on Twitter and, and of course you know tone gets completely lost on Twitter because it's all or nothing it's a hundred percent or zero you love a guy or he's trash there's no in between and it's not like we spend a calendar year on this type of stuff but whatever exactly (laughs) exactly it's not that I dislike the kid as a player you know I've never met him as a person so I don't know but it's not like I hated the pick I just thought we could have done better at that spot that was my that was my take 
And I got, you know, like you said, we all got attacked to it. Now, the flop, flip side of that is the next pick, which was Drew Forbes. I honestly didn't know much about him at the time, but immediately, like everybody else, started digging into him. I freaking love this pick. I really do. I think everybody's been talking about, oh, a year on the practice squad will be great for I don't know if they're going to be able to sneak him through. I think he's going <laughs> to have to be on the 53, man. I think there's. I don't think there's any way. And we've all run the numbers. I've seen people doing it. How many offensive linemen? Here's the six that are guaranteed or whatever and everything. I, I don't think it matters. If you want Drew Forbes on this team, I think he's got to be on the 53. Well, the thing is, he's, you know, and when you look at these guys who play at the lower level competition, you want them to look like they are... Zeus, or you want exactly. to, you know, you they need to look like Debo from Friday, like they are the baddest dude on that level, and he did, and the, oh. and moves pretty well. Uh, and here's the thing: obviously, you hire James Campman for this, and James Campman theory is give me 275 offensive tackles, I will figure out the rest. I will get you guards, I will get you centers, I will get you all of this. Give me guys who are athletic enough to play tackle. And I'll figure right. out the rest. And with and even with talking with Joe Batonio, and you know the first time he met him, him and the guys are messing around playing shuffleboard, and here's Drew walking around with his big old fat, you know, binder, getting ready to go to the OTAs. And you know, Joel's like, "Yeah, I've been there." And it was it, it was just good to hear it. See, and he's like, "No, but like what you know about the kid? Yeah, he, he's tough, and he's got all that. You know, is he going to need a little time to maybe be a starter in year two to work on the body as far as what translates to being an NFL player?" That's absolutely possible, and there's no doubt about it. But you like a kid who comes with a, a little bit of a mean streak and the oh. I will be the bull in the ring. And so many people wanted to talk about Desmond Harrison and, oh, maybe you stole a tackle here. And this guy did everything throughout his collegiate career correctly. Granted, it was at a smaller scale, and but, you know, everything was done well, and he played well and followed the, you know, Followed the line that was put in front of him. These are the guys you gamble on, and if you end up losing on it, that's okay. But because, but everything you saw showed you that it was a guy worth gambling on here. And then, uh, obviously, Steve. Before we get to another ad here, and then Donnie, uh, and then uh, but but Donnie Lewis here, and then we'll start. I like this peak. pick. I do like this pick, and I, the reason, and, and for me, obviously, Jets wise is when I was studying his teammate Nickerson, who the Jets had drafted the year before. Donnie Lewis kind of stood out a little bit, and this is going to be interesting how it works out. As far, uh, you know, I, I'd hate to see him lose his whole first year as a seventh-round pick, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But look, if you're going to, if this is going to work the way we all think it's going to be, the more coverage guys, the better. And he's all over the film, isn't he? I mean, yep. he is all over the film if his foot is healthy we talked earlier about the you know the so-called dorsey steel that everybody likes to talk about he's going to be my pick for that dorsey steel uh selection because if his foot is healthy he does it all man i mean he's got an absurd amount of tackles on his resume uh he's got ball skills for days and he has the positional versatility at least you know on film that modern nfl defense is beginning to require more and more in that defensive backfield he can play outside he can play in the slot he can drop back and play some free if you need him to he's he just He's one of those guys that has a nose for the ball. He knows what he's doing back there, and he is not afraid to get in there and get dirty. So if his foot is healthy, I will not be surprised at all. If And, and obviously early on he's going to have to make his bones on special teams, as all late-round rookies generally have to do. But if he can do that, and I don't think there's any reason that he can't. He has shown on film that he's willing to stick his nose in just about anywhere. I will not be surprised at all if not only does he make the 53, but he is a regular contributor. Uh, starting from the jump, uh, you know, and uh, I, I really, really like his film. And uh, this could be one of those picks that we look back on in a few years and say, well, you know, it doesn't matter if they missed on, you know, insert name of earlier pick because they got Donnie Lewis in the seventh and that was a friggin' steal. I really, really like that pick. And look, I mean, obviously they have familiarity with uh, Tulane, obviously, uh, between Dontrell Hilliard. So obviously they got their nose deep there. And look, a lot of these kids who end up at Tulane, it was... The numbers game kind of squeezed them out of LSU and mm-hmm. and the SEC schools. Tulane, look, I mean, not a lot of success, but there's players there and obviously, athletes. Yes, in that southeast, there are a ton. I mean, there are players upon players, upon 
players. We're going to get to the good folks here and do want to thank them for the sponsorship of Locked On Browns, the folks over at Grip6. Uh, their goal is literally to make the best belt that has ever been made. Uh, Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas. Hint, hint, Father's Day is coming. Get them something. Your fathers do enough for you. <laughs> it doesn't have to be big. It better be something. Don't ever forget about that. That's what she said. Yes. Um, also now, though, it comes for moms and wives and aunts. Uh, they now have their women's collection available over at Grip6 as well. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Check it out, guys. Uh, look, I mean, if you're on a budget, get some small things together. At least know. Let Dad know you thought, you tried, you gave some sort of effort to it. All right, Stephen, eyeballing a little bit to the 2020 draft. Um, again, it always seems we start this way with every draft class. But the offensive skill guys, wide receivers, running backs, for the Browns, it looks like there's going to be a bunch of tackles, which may be good because you're probably going to need that left tackle. I'm not sure. As much as we like Drew Forbes to say, oh, he might be your left tackle for the next six years. That's a little premature, but having him just started with on that offensive line. But but it's it's the juices are already flowing, and it's crazy that it's one month removed. But here we are down the path again. No, we're not going to do this again. But yet again, here we are down the path again. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just stupid early at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, this is the fun of it. You know, this is. This is why people, you know, have found me. My, you know, dumb takes is because I do this all the all year round, and so I took the couple weeks off because I was burned out, like a lot of people. But you're right. You look at it early, and this early spot, and it, it's invigorating that unless something wildly unforeseen happens, um, we're not looking at quarterbacks again. It's just I, I know good. last year we went on and on about it, but this year it's going to be just as much fun. It's going to be just as much fun to not look at the quarterback. Your garbage man is the worst driver in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. And our garbage, uh, it's right outside the window here. So, you know, you no, want to yell at him? We've had worse. We've had worse. Pete's cat okay. definitely okay. creates a distraction. Good, because he's way bigger than me. So I don't really <laughs> want to yell at him. Oh, um, my God. There, looking- there's your cheers reference. I see people make that f- gesture to Frazier all the time. Yeah. Not when they carry, not when they have a bumper sticker that says insured by Smith & Wesson. <laughs> well, we, uh, we're not going to be looking at the quarterbacks, but here's the other thing. It's Okay, like we just said, it's, it's crazy early. They haven't even put pads on yet as of the day this is recording. They're putting pads on for the first time tomorrow. So talking about anything about next year's draft in definitive tones – it's just beyond silly. We don't know what it's going to look like uh, 11 months. But that said, as it stands right now, tackle, like you said, is a very plausible place to be looking because um, if, if, if Greg Robinson has another season like he did last year, you know, passable but not great, they're not going to bring him back. They're going to draft somebody or they're going to sign on a free agent or hopefully, like you said, Drew Forbes or somebody else in-house. That's the best-case scenario comes uh, comes through and, and takes over that spot for us. If he has a... The only way I can see G-Rob sticking around is if he suddenly lives up to his number two overall pick billing. If he has a season where he is the best left tackle in the league or close to it, then you don't get priced out. I mean, then if he's playing at that level... Then absolutely, he, you know, you pay him whatever he is. But if he just has a good year, then I think Pete has said this: you're going to get priced out because he's going to command ten, eleven, twelve, because that's yep. what solid but not elite tackles are demanding, and we're not going to pay that. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I don't know, but I don't think. So then we're looking for somebody, and like you said, this this draft, at least this early on, has a bunch of them. Um, Andrew Thomas at Georgia, both of the Iowa guys, Wirfs and, and Jackson, could, could go in the first round, at least at this point. Uh, a lot of people like Walker Little at Stanford. Uh, Trey Adams, if if his back, back issues. Back, knee, whatever. I mean, yeah, he's he, he, uh, injury-wise, he's a mess. I mean, here was a guy who was predicted to go top 20 in 19. 
Exactly. And uh, so, but, I mean, you know, if they give him a clean bill of health, that's another guy. A guy I like is Lucas uh, Niang out of TCU. Uh, and he's not getting a lot of first round run right now, which could end up being good for us. Uh, grab him on day two uh, at this point. That would be a great one. Lucas Niang at TCU. Look, check him out, uh, uh, folks listening, if you haven't already. Um, I know that uh, Beatish in Wisconsin has been mentioned prominently at center. Uh, as a potential first-round pick for us, and he's he's definitely the current stud of the center group if they decide to go that way. And this is separate from talking about J.C. Treader. Don't anybody out there get triggered? I'm not saying if that situation arises, Beatish is more than worthy, at least at this point, of a of a day one pick. Uh, if they decide not to go that way, Zach Shackelford in Texas is no slouch. Uh, would be definitely on the radar for. Uh, for day two, but offensive line almost certainly seems to be, at this point anyway, plausible, possible, probable, the uh, the biggest question mark on the team and heading into free agency in the draft next year. Yeah, and look, I mean, free agency-wise, it, it just becomes, a, I mean, how much are you paying these guys? So you have to realize where your premium is and, you know, obviously the skill guys and there's going to be guys who are going to be closer to getting paid and you have Odell here, so it's gonna, it's going to have to be cultivated, in my opinion, the offensive line through the draft and development, which is probably why you hired a guy like Campman. And then you get to the running backs, and obviously, well, and I'll go to the wide receivers here because you brought up a TCU guy, uh, Jalen Rager. Oh my God! And apparently mm. a four-three flat. And look, you could be in a situation where you're moving on from Jarvis Landry, so. You, but I mean, there's receivers, there's running backs, and you know, uh, Swift down at Georgia, and somebody put up a poll the other day, which is the top three running backs. They didn't have him in it. There's Cam Akers, there's Etienne, there's Dylan. It's it, it, the skill is the one that always starts to move the needle early. That's usually what draws everybody. And it seems, I mean, defensively for the most part, well, I don't want to say set, but. The core will be in place, so it'll be interesting how it plays out. But there is so much talent, those skill guys, Steve. Yeah, there is. And it's going to be interesting because those are generally the positions where John Dorsey has made his bones by finding those steals yep. in the third round, the fourth round, the sixth round. That's This is where he finds... You know, the Tyree kills and, and, you know, on the field. Okay, don't know anybody get triggered. But this is where he finds these guys, you know, later. I mean, even Nick Chubb was the fourth pick that we made, you know. So there's a ton of that skill position stuff at the top of the draft, at least at this point. But he doesn't generally go there. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he uh, attacks that. Um, uh, oh, shoot, I had a thought and I just completely lost it. Um yeah, the, I mean the the I mean just the Alabama wide receiver core for days you could draft you you could draft pretty much their whole room if if you wanted to yeah. go with with wide receivers which but, was the w- which was the most fun thing with what Alabama did it was almost like Nick said you know what we've run the living daylights out of the ball for years can we throw it I want to throw it how about we start throwing yeah. the ball and so all right well let's go get you three five star guys rugs runs like a a four two five. Judy runs routes that compare to probably, you know, solid NFL. It's just insane how developed these kids are at such young ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's starting to become the case on the, on the, uh, uh, the defensive line as well. The, I mean, we keep saying, oh, this defensive line class had all these freaky athletes. Well, how many years in a row do we have a group of freaky athletes on the defensive line before that becomes the norm. You know what, you know what I mean? I mean, yep. all the big, huge, freaky athletic guys are going to the defensive line now because if you can get to the quarterback, you can make a lot of money for a long, long time in this league. And there's a bunch of guys uh, in, this, in the defensive line class coming up that, you know, we still need depth. Uh, so, you know, they may end up going there. If, if you want to look at the linebackers, there's a, there's a whole group of linebackers. Dylan Moses is getting crazy hype. Uh, Kenneth Murray in Oklahoma is the other uh, headliner of the group. Patty Fisher at Northwestern. There's a couple of guys you and, I, you and I really liked that were going to come out this year and decided to go back. And Troy Dye out in Oregon and Shaquille Quarterman in Miami. If those guys can build upon the years that they had this past year where they were mentioned in the day two conversation, whether or not they ended up there, who knows. But they were mentioned as high as day two. And the linebacker group for next year could be 
really, really special. And then, of course, there's always cornerbacks and safeties. And like we've said, you always need a bunch of those. Um, so, you know, keep Mark Gilbert out of Duke. Keep an eye on him coming back from the injury. Obviously, Fulton uh, and Bryce Hall are the headliners uh, as we sit here on June 3rd. But the, uh, there's a ton of ath- athletes in the back end of the defense so they can continue to fortify that. Um, and if Redwine doesn't work out uh, without signing Randall to the extension like you and I both expected they would long, long ago, safety market may be something that they're in next year. I don't know. I- I'm not sure what they're going to do uh, back there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. And, and I did. I remember what I was going to say. Uh, you were talking about uh, the free agents and everything on the offensive line. The only potential move before next August uh, obvious potential move that I can see is if the Cowboys come out sluggish, Lyle Collins might be available um, because he's in a contract year. They have, you know, obviously everybody knows everyone they have to pay in the coming years. Um, and Collins might be the odd guy out on that offensive line. And and I have been a Lyle Collins fan since the, the fall in the draft through no fault of his own. Um, and so if they could get him, like you said, I don't know how the money would work, but if Lyle Collins becomes available, that's the kind of a guy that, you know, former high round athletic pick that John Dorsey loves to go and pluck uh, off of the available wires and uh, our trades and, and, you know, wires and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if the offensive line doesn't gel the way we hope they will. Uh, and he becomes available. And that's a lot of ifs. But if Lyle Collins is around, uh, that's one guy I could see them going after uh, that's not in-house or in the draft. No, I agree, and it'll be interesting how it all plays out. And the thing will be, you know, look in the success of this team, and and, and how these stories. Because look, the offensive line is going to be an interesting one. This is probably the biggest story to follow throughout this 2019 season. Um, hopefully, they find what works for them early. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. last year it ended up being changed, and you know, they, you know, Greg Robinson went in. But there also is this other aspect of. The Browns chose who they wanted to start at the offensive line position the entire 2018 season. To have that happen again without injury, right. that, that is huge, and that is a finger-crossing thing. Knock on wood, pray to whatever you pray to, because they got really lucky with the offensive line position. And Baker got comfortable with the fact that these were the guys he practiced with week out, week in, week out. Obviously, you know, Treader being the exception to that, but he knew what he had in JC, and and that's that's the key there is you know because you know the Browns were injury fortunate last year. They really were. Um, you, you hope that pendulum stays swinging to their side going into this season. Yeah, and they've earned it, to be honest, because for about 15 straight years before last year, they were always on the bad side of that pendulum. And so two years in a row, I don't think it's too much to ask from the sports gods. But you're right, especially at the offensive and defensive lines, because the defensive line depth is, I'll be nice and say questionable. Uh, if Sheldon goes down, if Larry turns an ankle, you know what? who's going to come in and provide the snaps that they need, you know, and that the offensive line, not only is it the depth, but we're not even sure who the starting five are going to be. The, the Austin, uh, the Corbett question is, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it, it, is it a swing and a miss? Is that a big miss from Dorsey in last year's draft? We don't know yet. I, I, I don't know. But the fact that he hasn't found a home, at least a an obvious home yet, is is a question mark is is he going to be the center is he going to is he going to take over the right guard i if he can come in and be the right guard and be, you know be 80 percent of what uh zeitler was then i don't think it's a swing and a miss i think it's totally fine then it's a question of what do they do with jc treader's contract because he was not signed by this current regime and we know how guys who were not signed by this current regime have fared thus far so it's a question of can they find it? Can they stay healthy? And then what do they do with it going forward next year? The offensive line is, without a doubt, the biggest question mark as we sit here uh, before any pads have been put on. I love the, I love OTAs as much as anybody. Anytime there's football going on, it, it's happy because you get to see stuff on your timeline and on the news and all that kind of stuff. 
But they haven't even put, people are talking about, oh, the depth is this and the chart is this and the starters are this. They're running around in shorts, guys. Calm down. Nobody's hit anybody yet. We don't know what's going to happen uh, come August, and that will tell us what happens in September. There's a lot of potential moving parts on that offensive line. I mean, Drew Forbes could come in and take over a starting spot. We don't know. You know, we have no idea what's going to happen until these guys strap the chin straps on and start knocking the snot out of each other. And we're going to see that starting tomorrow. And I'm pretty excited about it. And that is where we're at. Look, and what, you know, obviously we now know Gerald McCoy is not going to be a part of this. But in, you know, look, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm John Dorsey will not be done looking. Uh, he obviously this guy is always tinkering. Somebody slips through the cracks. Uh, I think they're still going to be in on a D-tackle. If, if they were this in on Gerald McCoy, they do believe they probably still need some assistance there. So we'll just it's a wait and see approach. Uh, take it easy through many camps. Um, hey guys, Odell's in the building. Duke's in the building. These guys are going to be there tomorrow. It's interesting. Wow. And the other thing is the R.I.P. the funeral to the O.T.A. talk and all that crap. Just let it. Thank God. Absolutely. Um, always want to thank Stephen Thomas. Uh, I cannot begin to tell you. Uh, We've had a great relationship for years now, and Stephen with his daughter, where she's at, um, he kind of holds my hand and guides me through where my girls are at, <laughs> and we do enjoy it. We do love it as much as it you know, makes us gray and the hair falls out and you know, sometimes too much alcohol is consumed because we're dealing with all that we're dealing with, but uh, that is the best part of it. Steve, always uh, appreciate everything. Guys, the Browns uh, Daily Mock Draft, make sure you're following them at Browns Mock Draft. I don't know how he's able to do this pretty much almost every day once we get to that certain point. And God knows there's got to be some sort of damn madman to you, Steve. There really has to be. <laughs> I think it's the uh, I think it's the blue chew pills. I think that's what it is. And you know, and you and Pete turned me on to that. So I think that's what gives me the strength to go on. It makes me stand up and salute. Yeah, whatever. It's a Thursday, and you know, Steve's on, Steve's on a cruise ship, not going to see uh, Mrs. Thomas for three, four days. But those mock drafts got to get out. So blue chew is going to get you through whatever he needs to get you through, guys. Um, but always uh, make sure you're following over there. And obviously, you know, a great guy, winners of Brown's Twitter. Um, uh, the Locked On Browns podcast account, uh, uh, Locked On Browns podcast Twitter account. We always keep it follow back. Um, so many guys like to interact through DMs. That's why we do keep it a follow back. I understand for some of you folks who are Ill, uh, older, I couldn't imagine having to deal with Twitter. So you are able to give a ton of great feedback, questions, stuff like that through there. Um, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, go ahead and throw a follow over there. Uh, look, it, it's tough to lose you know, this battle, which you thought you had a really good shot in with Gerald McCoy. And then maybe part of it is is you lost something that you thought you had a really good shot in. Look, at the end of the day, it's fine. I mean, it, it sucks at the end of the day, but also at the end of the day, you still in this offseason brought in Odell Beckham. You brought in Sheldon Richardson. You brought in Olivier Vernon. You had a draft class to put players in space where you were low. I'm sorry, Kareem Hunt as well there's still a bunch of players in this locker room and have faith in that. And, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, I still like our chances. Cincinnati, <laughs> what's it like looking up for once, guys? Enjoy that. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Thanks to the folks over at Hotels.com, Himalaya podcasting app, the Untucked folks, and obviously the Grip 6 folks. Um, like I said, this has been the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.